What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. Of course, we'll be recapping last week's epic NFL Drizzle Round games and previewing the hopefully epic NFL Championship Sunday games happening in just a few days. Of course, you got the Bengals and Chiefs uh, facing off an arrowhead. Of course, you got the 49ers and the Rams uh, taking taking on each other in Inglewood. Big games, obviously, this weekend. Interesting storylines. The Bengals, up-and-coming team. Chiefs hosting AFC Championship game for the fourth year in a row. You got the former colleagues, Shanahan and McVay, uh, battling in the NFC. 49ers have dominated the Rams for all these years, but the Rams are starting to kind of look like the formidable team we thought they may be when we started this season. So plenty of really interesting storylines headed into a Championship Sunday. Really excited to talk about that. We'll also talk about the travesty. In my words, the travesty that was the Baseball Hall of Fame excluding Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in this year's vote. The writers had their ballots this year. They casted their votes. They sent them in. The results are in. Bonds and Clemens both out of the Hall of Fame in their final year of eligibility on the writer's ballot. David Ortiz, former Boston Red Sox slugger, did make the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. We'll talk about course everything that went into those decisions which uh, don't really much make much sense to me and then just coming off how the presses NBA all-star starters revealed we got the same captains we've had for the past two years or at least you know since last year with LeBron and, and Kevin Durant I don't think there were two main surprises except for maybe one name that is is really kind of drawn the ire of many NBA fans and have led them to a take that I've been making for maybe 10, 15 years. And I'll tell you what that take is uh, later on in this show. So great show lined up today. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. And Kendall, I do want to begin, before we talk about the NFL, I got to talk about the Knicks, man. And I, I know me, Kendall, I try not to bring my Knicks baggage onto this show unnecessarily. Um, obviously, I'm a Knicks fan on this podcast. Kendall is a Celtic fan on this podcast. We talk about these teams, you know, considerably on the show, but this is not a Knicks show or a Boston Celtics show. So we try to, you know, you know, talk about the biggest things happening in sports. If those teams are a part of that, we definitely like to include them. But otherwise, um, both of those teams have given us not much to talk about this season, so we've pretty much ignored them for much of the season. Except for the Knicks recently, because we've seen between thumbs down gate from Julius Randle a couple weeks ago, I had to address that. Then we had the Cam Reddish trade last, was it last week? I don't even know. These days are kind of now all jumbled ahead. Was it last week or week four? I forgot which week it was. It was recently. Cam Reddish was traded to the Knicks. And then we come to this week. It's kind of become a, a running soap opera with this team. I'm starting to feel the kind of clown show, the clown show feelings, Kendall, that I, I had with this franchise for the last 10, 15 years that went away pretty much entirely last year under the, the leadership of Leon Rose. And the coaching of Tom Thibodeau, it has unfortunately reappeared, and it, it, it uh, really kind of met to it. Kind of, it kind of came to a head last night. The Knicks got just dominated by the Heat in a game which they were down by close to thirty points. It might have been down by thirty points at one point, and apparently it has now led the New York Knicks to explore trade options for various players. This is according to Brian Windhorse. He said on NBA Today, "quote." In the conversations this week with teams, the Knicks have expressed an interest 
uh, and or excuse me, a willingness to trade some of their veteran players. That includes Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, guys like this. Kendall, that is a that is kind of one of those statements that is a uh, duh situation. <laughs> I mean, if Knicks weren't trying to trade any of those pieces, I would say, man, we we're really in a tough spot when it comes to leadership. If they can't see the issues with all three of those guys being on the roster, but there was one name that was missing from that those comments from Brian Windhorse that is alarming to me. Do you know who that name is, Kendall? Uh, Julius Randle. That is correct. One Julius Randle. Former All-NBA second team selection last season. NBA All-Star last season. Darling in New York City. Kendall, time's up. Time's up for Julius Randle. I literally, on my uh, Instagram, I posted a countdown on my Instagram story. I think I'm going to do it. I didn't do it yet today, but I'll probably do it later tonight. I'm posting a countdown to the date, February 3rd. That is the date Julius Randle is officially eligible to be traded. Because he signed the extension he did this summer for four years, $121 million, he is not eligible to be traded until a certain date, that date being uh, just before the trade deadline, February 2nd. At this point, I'm just counting down the days, Kendall, because what we've seen from this guy for a whole season, really, you know, half a season, I guess, you know, a little more than 50 games at this, a little less than 50 games at this point, has been so dumbfounding only because of the unbelievable play we saw from him last year. I've never seen a player go from the heights that he reached in terms of the elite shot making, the great defense, the leadership, the just passion on the court to what I see today. I see a guy who looks like he's content that he got his money. I see laziness. I see um, disinterest. And I see a lack of accountability. Kendall, do you know Julius Randle has spoken one time to the media since Thumbs Down Gate? It's not good. One, one time. The Knicks have played, like, I don't know, what, like, what was that, 10 games ago? When, when the Knicks beat the Celtics in that Miraculous shot by R.J. Barrett. That was that felt like that felt like years ago at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, Julius Randle spoke to the media once, and the Knicks had to actually eat a twenty-five thousand dollar fine because they're saying, "Well, we didn't make him available." So instead of Julius taking the fine, which is what most what would happen, a player doesn't show up for media availability, you get fined. The Knicks said, "No, we'll we'll take it because we quote unquote didn't make him available." So all these terrible performances we've seen from him, he's not even answering for him anymore after the thumbs-down gate. We got that statement from him, and then that was it. That The written statement he said apologizing, kind of, <laughs> I say kind of, for the thumbs-down situation to the fans. That's it. So the continued turnovers, the continued poor shot selection, the disinterest in huddles where you got a team that's on the bench, Tom Thibodeau is drawing out the plays, and this guy is... You know, he might as well be in the stands. You know, he might as well be in, in, row, in row, row six, you know, section one one oh five. That's how far he is from the rest of the team. We don't even hear from him anymore. We're forced to try out 21-year-old R.J. Barrett to answer for the, the, the just atrocious play we've seen from this team. At this point, he's got to go. I don't know what you can get for him. 
you know, shout out to all the, you know, I've been jumping into some of these Twitter spaces with some of these Nick creators. Shout out to all these guys. They do a great job. Shout out to the Knicks wall. Shout out to uh, Knicks, uh, Knicks fan TV. Shout out to all Knicks film school. I didn't jump in the space with them yet, but they, they're dope as well. Um, and I, I've gone back and forth on this, but we talked about it a while, Kendall. That Julius Randle contract was a bad decision. And I yeah. don't want to hear the nonsense. It's not a hindsight deal. It's not a hindsight deal. Nope. Me and you. And I'm not, and we both agree. I don't think we either of us thought it was an easy call. You and I, yeah, no, no, no. Me, you and I came on this podcast and said, I don't know if I would have gave him that money after that playoff performance. Did he earn it? Absolutely. He played as good as 100%. he could have. But for an, a, 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 a myriad of reasons, one being uh, the way he played in the playoffs, another being, you know, the outlier that was his season compared to the rest of his career, uh, and the third being there wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of, there wasn't a huge flight risk. You know, there's a lot of reasons why it didn't make a whole lot of sense to give him that contract. Or at least, again, there were there was a strong there, there was a strong reason to say maybe we should give him one more year. Right. And I don't want to hear the excuses of oh well the money's not that bad if he he would be paid as if he's one of the top thirty or forty guys in the league. Uh I don't want. First of all, I don't want to hear that because number one. Would any of you people sign Julius Randle to this contract today? No. Right. So then you can't tell me, oh, well, he's not getting paid that well. All right, then 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 let's keep him on the Knicks. Let's not trade him. Let's just keep this going. Let's see how it goes. The reason why this thing is untenable is because he has four years left on his contract. The money, is, I don't think even really as much as the issue, as much as the years. And that's the problem. Because like what I keep hearing is some of the excuses is, oh, well... Because the money isn't that bad and teams need to have money on their cap in order to be flexible to make trades and things like that, you, you need a guy who had some years on his deal. But now the problem, Kendall, is what we feared is that now it's an untenable situation in New York and you're going to convince another team to say, will you sign on for this four-year clown show? Because we can't handle it. Will you give us anything to sign up for this? And that's where the problem lies. Now someone else has got to commit to this nonsensical deal. It's kind of the problem with the Evan Fournier deal. Is now, you could talk about, oh, at the time it was okay, whatever. The problem is now you're having to beg someone else to say, please sign on to this and give me something of value. We did it. The Knicks did it for free. They didn't get anything back. They just signed them to it. Now you're going to another. Now the pitchers to go to another team and say, "Yeah, you've seen this clown show you've seen all year, but how about four more years of it? And also, please give me something that I can actually use." That's not good business. And the notion that you can't trade a guy in an expiring contract year is baloney, because the Knicks are trying to trade for Jalen Brunson right now. He's on an expiring contract. Gary Trent got traded last year on an expiring contract. So you can move guys who are on a one-year deal. This idea that a one-year deal guy is going to make people nervous, that's not true. So the Knicks, ultimately, up, the Knicks messed up with that. And at the end of the day, it's unfortunate, but we're not in a situation now where it's, oh, let's try to make a trade that elevates the Knicks. The Knicks got to go back to their original plan. The original plan was Obi Toppin to replace Julius Randle. 
and you're going to get rid of him for whatever you can get. That was the plan when this whole front office came into came to fruition. Last year, outlier year, great year, fun year for the fans. It was important for the city. But now it's time to get back to square one and execute the plan that you were hired to do. Yeah, and, and ultimately, uh, this is a situation where you've got a team that, like, oh, you also have to understand that the the expiring contract. I mean, let's be honest; it's the way Julius Randle's playing. If he played the way he's playing now, and, and that's also part of it, is you have to factor in that maybe he would have played better if he was on an expiring contract. But right. if you, even if he wasn't, then then you then let him walk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Would, would anybody resign? It, it, would, would anybody resign Julius Randle to anything right now? If he was yeah, right now, contract. if he was a guy who was a, if he was a guy who's going to be a free agent, then the plan wouldn't necessarily be how do we operate with him. If he was a guy who's going to be a free agent, he'd be playing less. They'd be they'd be more willing to say, right. "Well, we got to play top end. We've got to right. try other things." <laughs> but right now, they can't do that. Yeah, they wouldn't put up with this foolishness. Yes, and and he's um, able to get away with this foolishness because he has the security of. Four guaranteed years at about 120 million. Yes, yes. that's not a good job. Um, that's a that was a bad yeah, move. To me, to me, it's like they 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 took a risk. They did. Um, there was far more risk in giving him the money. There was benefit. There was a benefit to we can get him maybe for cheaper than we have right. to. But at the end of the day, if he if he ends up being worth the max, if he, if he repeats what he did last year then he'll end up being worth it. But if but but now you're in a situation where yes, you got him for less, but he might not even be worth what you're paying him. So you know, at the end of the day you're, you're you know, it's almost like it's almost like would you rather put in money, would you rather invest in something early and wait for it to explode or or falter or would you rather you know, invest maybe later while it's, while it's bigger and you don't get as much, but you know, you feel more confident in what you're getting. Right. Um, you know, and that that's that's what the next that's what the next day they decided we're gonna try and invest early and hopefully we get a steal. But that's, I mean, you're Ill. you're playing Russian roulette and that's that's they got burned to a degree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, where they go from here, it's awkward. It's an awkward situation. Um, you know, if you're if you're the Knicks, obviously they've got a great relationship with CAA, uh, who's Randall's representation. They'll figure out how to move forward with that. Uh, Ian Begley did mention that they're willing to move him for the right price. Um, what that uh, what that means is vague, obviously, but it's it's at the, at the end of the day, what it means is that he's not untouchable, and that they see what we're seeing as well. Um, not only the on the court stuff, but the stuff with the media, I think, is what really makes him a guy who, who's a strong candidate to get moved. Um, these things, James Dolan isn't is 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 he 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 knows all everything that's going on. You know, he's not oblivious to what's happening. Um, and because of that, uh, you know, they're not they're they're gonna they're, there is no there's nobody in, in in right now. I mean, besides, I don't know how Leon Rose. And World Wide West and the rest of the front office feel about Randall. I'm sure they're they're I'm sure they're fans of him to a degree, but um 
But I know at the top of the top, clearly, I'm clearly this stuff is not something that Dolan is happy about. Can't particularly the way the team is playing. So yeah, you, uh, you it's not it. like he's got Dolan in his corner saying we gotta keep him. I would. You you would think that you know Dolan is so unpredictable. Like sometimes. Part of me is like, I mean, he has a combative relationship with the media. Does he like that Randall is telling these guys to take a hike? I, I don't know. Yeah. I think this is. I think this looks a little too embarrassing. And combined with the bad play, I would think that James Dolan would not like this. And I guess my con- my only concern is, will the front office have the level of urgency ne- needed to get him out of New York City? Because the fans are done with him, you know? And I think there was a lot of people that were really being patient. I thought too patient. You couldn't even think about, talk about moving Julius Randle in December. And if you didn't, you were some crazy hater who didn't know anything about basketball. I mean, it, it was, it's crazy what, how a month can just change everything. And I, and yeah. I get it to a degree. This is a franchise that's had pretty much no success for the last 20 years, or at least very little success. And Julius brought, a high level of success. And again, it became a darling here in New York City. It wasn't just the wins in his play. It was kind of the way they were winning and the way he was playing. The kind of, you know, lunch pail, rough and tumble kind of grind that we associate with New York City. He he brought to his game last season. It was anybody could have respected it, especially if you're from New York. So to some degree, I get it. But New Yorkers can also spot a phony from 100 miles away. And that part of it was a little alarming to me that so many were still behind him when we were seeing a phony act for this entire season. The allegations are in. The phony allegations have been substantiated. Julius Randle's a fraud. Sorry. I wish it was any other way. New York City is not like every other city. Not every player is built to play here. I'm sure the school system in Sacramento are wonderful. We're not too far from the, from the from the vineyards near Napa. I'm praying Sacramento, you give me anything of 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 value. I will please. I will pay for Julius Randle's plane ticket to send him with to the West Coast. I don't even need De'Aaron Fox. I know people. I I I hope I think De'Aaron Fox would be a great fit in New York City. Because the Knicks have too many guys who need to play an untempo style that are just bogged down by this coach, who also was on borrow time, by the way. I can't I wouldn't fire him this year, but next year Tibbs is on watch. But but they're bogged down by this coach and this alleged star player who is content to walk up and down the court, to not play with any energy. So the team it's 23 and 30, 26. That's their record. They're 11th in the Eastern Conference. This is who they are. I think there's a strong chance that, that Tom Thibodeau is not the coach of the team next year. Really? You do? Yeah, I think there's a strong chance. Leon, I think they, Leon, Leon, Leon allegedly loves Tom Thibodeau. That's like his. I'm sure he one. does. But you think so that business, with, business. business is business with Leon? He's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got a lot of coaches he loves. Uh, <laughs> That's true. You would no, think I'm he's pretty, an agent who's working Yeah, I'm like, he loves Jay Wright. You know, he mm. loves John Kyle Perry. Like, there are there are other coaches out there that obviously – and, you know, th- like, Thibodeau – I mean, those were the first names we heard with, with the Knicks, even before Thibodeau. Um, 
Thibodeau then became connected later on, obviously, because obviously the college basketball people knew the connection to those two people, and then the connection to Thibodeau kind of kind of came about as well. But um, it, it, it's I and I'm sure there are other coaches out there besides that, and some people are talking about other guys on the staff like a Johnny Bryant who turned down a chance to coach the Utah Utes in basketball. A job that you know gonna obviously you know so it's a power five college basketball head coaching job not not and it's alma mater i believe that's it's not a not a, not anything to sneeze at they gave him a you know probably a nice little raise to, to stay but they also give him the wink wink that you know if we move on from Thibodeau you'll be the next guy up um, did, your, did your gut tell you that did your gut tell you that Randall will be a Nick post deadline I had a dream this morning I had a dream this morning that the, that that Randall got traded to the Celtics. Well, I, I should say it was a nightmare, but yeah, yeah. I was gonna story. say, do you want to categorize categorize that as a dream? Yeah, it was Randall and Fournier, and I don't think the money even works in this. But it was a dream, so it's whatever. But it was Randall and Fournier for for Smart and and, and Robert Williams. I was like, oh man, <laughs> we bring Fournier I, back. I, I I mean, I would I would do it. <laughs> I would do it. I'm not. I'm not down on Randall. That may be harsh for some people. Yeah, I'm like part of you know how much you, you know my you know how much I love Time Lord. I think that he's. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that he's a, a legit baller. Yeah. I don't know, you know him and Mitchell Robinson. I guess you're telling Mitchell Robinson to take a hike. You know, I, <laughs> right. it, it doesn't really work. But that's how it just <laughs> it just speaks to just how much I'm willing to move. Clearly, on my brain somehow in the middle of the night like formulated that deal that like, made semi some sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not to, it's not total nonsense, but it's like eighty five percent nonsense. Yeah, it's like not gonna happen. But it's like, yeah. how how did I even come to that <laughs> at four a.m. in without consciousness? Yo, the it, amount of mid range jump shots the Celtics would long twos the jump shots the Celtics would be taking. Oh, it'd be grotesque if, if Julius Randle was playing with Tatum and Jalen Brown. Oh man, yo, that that offense with with with, with Udoka's offense, <laughs> yo, fam, yo, I mean, you want to talk about? I was praying he gets sent to Sacramento. I would pray as a person who did not root for the Celtics to see that happen. I would, I would, I would love to see how that would work out. Julius Randle in the same locker room with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's why they yeah. have to send Smart out because he he want to ring. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because some guys be fighting at the first. The first game at halftime, it'd be like uh, Harrow and uh, Harrow and uh, and uh, KCP round two in Boston. Yeah. I really hope he's gone, man. And and I don't, I know. And look, I know players being traded, families being moved. That's not small stuff. I, I don't want to make it sound like it is. We're trying to have fun in the podcast here, but I feel I'd feel maybe less callous about it if I didn't see this. Just like. Just terrible play and just terrible leadership and just terrible accountability. Like he's letting the whole team down. That's the thing. There are other there's twelve, thirteen other guys on this team who are grinding, playing, working hard, playing hard. And Julius Randle and his success is tied to a lot of peop other people. Not just himself. That's kind of why I feel more boldened to be like, get this clown out of here. That's how he's acted. Yeah. And Knicks fans deserve better. They really do. So I, I had to get that off, man, because 
I think I've been holding the whole trade Julius Randle thing. I was trying to hold. I said I was open to it for a long time, but I was trying to hold. Because he did play so well. And I really was like, he played so well last year. If he can somehow get it going, like, I'll I'll take that guy back from last year any day of the week. But it's over. I tweeted I tweeted that you remember Rocky Three? Look, to me, the the Hawks and Trey Young, they were clubber Lang in Rocky Three in the first fight. You know, they, they kept saying they were gonna take the Knicks out. They kept saying what they were gonna do. They were brash about it. They were talking smack. And the, and Julius Randle was Rocky, kissing babies, dancing for the cameras, doing all the nonsense. And then they got knocked out. And he was broken. Rocky was broken in Rocky Three. It took Apollo, uh, 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 Apollo Creed, yeah, to, to come in and help out Rocky. And Rocky wasn't having it. He's trying to train Rocky's halfway in, halfway out. And I posted the clip on Twitter, man. I felt like Apollo Creed when they were running on the beach, and Rocky just gave up. He just quit. And uh, and Paulie asks Rocky, "What's the, what's going on?" And you know what Apollo Creed said? He said, "It's over. It's all over." And then just yelled at Rocky, "What's the matter with you?" And walked away. That's how I feel about Julius Randle today. It's over. It's all over. What's the matter with you? And I'll leave it there. Yeah, let's yeah. talk some. Let's talk some football, man. Because I can't. Because this. This is just. I've had a headache for most of this day, and this. This migraine or whatever I got is gonna come back if I talk more about the embarrassment that's been in New York Knicks for the past couple of weeks. Let's talk about Championship Sunday after an epic weekend of NFL divisional divisional playoff games. We are just days away. From Championship Sunday in the AFC, the Bengals, who survived nine sacks on QB Joe Burrow during their upset win over the Titans last week, will travel to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. The defending AFC champs are looking for their third straight Super Bowl both berth after surviving a Buffalo onslaught courtesy of QB Josh Allen, who was just exceptional, and Gabriel Davis, who a lot of people didn't know who the hell he was until that game, and now everybody knows who he is now. Hell performed by those two men. Too bad that Leslie Frazier and that defense didn't have a clue on how to somehow get you guys over the hump in that game. But they were eliminated despite those great performances. So Chiefs, Bengals, and uh, Arrowhead, 3 o'clock on Sunday. And the NFC, two old friends battle a lot once again as Kyle Shanahan takes the San Francisco 49ers into Inglewood to play the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers were lifted to an upset win in Green Bay following an improbable block punt that was returned for a touchdown while the Rams survived their 24-point comeback from Tom Brady and the Bucks to win on a last-second field goal. Kendall, all four of last week's games ended on a scoring play. A lot of people saying it was the greatest playoff round of all time. I'm not going to argue with anybody about that. If you wanted someone else to find someone to argue with, maybe. I don't, I don't have an argument. Those games were just incredible. Three of them ended on a game-winning field goal. And of course, the Chiefs game uh, ended on the Chiefs winning on a Travis Kelsey overtime touchdown. Kendall, we know last week set an incredibly high bar. But going into this weekend, what is the likelihood we'll see more epic finishes similar to what we had from last week? Or do you think there's just no way we're going to meet that kind of excitement? Yeah, I mean, 
statistically speaking, it's very unlikely uh, that we see that level of football played again. Um, also, particularly because the two games in each conference uh, were vastly different. Um, the, the the Bengals won, but they didn't play at a high level. <laughs> versus, you know, where the Chiefs where the Chiefs uh, played at an extremely high level, particularly offensively, uh, and couldn't you know and barely you know barely escaped you know with a win um, against a great great Buffalo Bills team. Uh, and then and the same with same with the the Rams. I mean, the Rams played great for a half, and the second half they played abysmal. But um, the Niners kind of really backed their way in, you know, without even scoring an offensive touchdown, you know, and winning winning the game. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a weird that that part of it makes makes for a circumstance that you you would think would lead to you know. The right. Chiefs and Rams being pretty strong favorites, um, but we also know that anything can happen in the playoffs, and these are also two matchups that we saw very recently. Yep, at the end of the season, with both games being played very hard, and seeing those two underdogs win, yeah, on the road. So, I mean, there, there you would be a fool to say those teams have no chance. Um, just based off of that fact, even if those teams do happen to get blown out, obviously they can compete against those teams. The, the 49ers beat the Rams twice this season. So, yeah, um, I don't, I mean, McVeigh is like, he's only beaten Shanahan like, like once maybe or something like that. Yeah. They've the lost 49ers uh, own them. six in a row. I want to yeah, say exactly. yeah, they've lost six in a row to Shanahan. They're in the same division. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's definitely not good. Um, you know, as 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 up and down as Jimmy G has played this entire season, uh, they've they've consistently found ways to to to, to win games, and uh, when he's out there, especially, uh, it's really stark how much better they've been in his time in San Francisco when he's out there versus when right. he's not. He's been plenty of games where he hasn't played, and I know there are you know. You could argue, oh well, Kittle has been hurt, or Bosa was hurt, or Debo was hurt, and all you know. But at the end of the day, you know, when we're just looking at with and without Jimmy G, look, maybe again, maybe if you really, really want to dive into it, but every stat has context to it that yep. can be applied. But this stat is important, you know. I mean, the way the the way that I don't know, it may not even be a tangible performance thing as much as maybe the other guys rally around Jimmy G a little bit better. Um, you know, maybe there is an intangible quality about him that we don't realize that exists. But um but yeah, yeah, in terms of in terms of these games, man, uh again, I, I'm very excited. Yeah, I I'm excited for them too. I think that they're two very intriguing matchups. Not sure if we'll have these crazy close games or, or last second kind of games. You never know with those kind of things. But going into these games, I'm intrigued by both of these matchups. You know, starting because you, you finished with the NFC one. Let me start with the NFC one. I think what's so fascinating about the 49ers' ascension to the NFC championship game, second time in, what, three years for, for Kyle Shanahan, is yes. they've done it on almost exclusively, at best, I don't even say I don't. I don't think average quarterback play is fair. I don't. When you look at Jimmy's numbers, I, I don't think you can even say average. I think you got to say at best below average. 
quarterback play. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I was at best, I would say average. No, in, in the in the playoffs, not talking about oh, his in career. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, below average. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm talking about in the playoffs, not not his oh, career. Okay. No. I mean, Jimmy G at his best isn't below average. Yeah, no, no, no. Jimmy G has shown that he can he can put have great games. He can he can put up numbers. I'm not dissing him that much. No, I, I don't want smoke with Jeff Garcia. Uh, <laughs> for those who see what Jeff Garcia's been tweeting about other people who talk about Jimmy G uh, sideways. No, I don't not I don't want that kind of smoke. But I'm talking about just purely in the playoffs because in the playoffs this year he is not throwing a touchdown and he has thrown two picks in the run to the Super Bowl in 2019 he threw three picks and only two touchdowns his QB rating for the postseason for his career is 70.3 needless to say these are not impressive numbers He's averaging a hundred, about 140, 150 yards per game as a passer in the postseason for his career. So I don't really know what to make of the <laughs> the, the the 49ers continuing on this path. You look, to, I was the fool to to the Super Bowl considering this is the kind of quarterback play they've gotten, which is just flat I, out not good. I was it's the fool that said that 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 the Niners had no chance in either one of those two games that they won because Jimmy G wasn't good enough and that he wouldn't play well. And I was right. He, he you know, he didn't play well. He, he didn't, didn't play, play good well enough to win for, those games. He didn't. Any care other situation won. for them to win. Yeah. And they still found ways to win. So, I mean, now I don't really know what to think. You know, I can't really say they have no chance. He could play terrible and they still find a way to win. He, he's proven it twice. Proved against a team that I think is better than the Rams. So, I think that and a the, quarterback that I think is better than Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers. So, I, you I know, think, I, I mean, I think the nice. I really thing, don't know what to think about this game. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's deserves a lot of credit for, the, for what oh, he's yeah. done with that defense. Um, you know, the I mean, they've. I mean, I mean, look, obviously Lambeau Field. Uh, his offense is always going to struggle to a degree in Lambeau Field, but you know what he did to to that Packers offense. You know, I mean, he had him in a torture chamber for you know for the entire game, and really, I mean, was just a magical defensive performance and defensive coaching job. Also, obviously, terrific special teams from the Niners uh, as well. But um, not only that, but also what he what he did against Dallas at home yeah. in a dome. You know, making Dak look very suspect. So, um, and shoot the way the way he got this defense playing, it got me looking at Robert Sala. Like, how yeah, much? You, how, how much? Well, no, it makes me say how much. How much credit do you deserve for how good those defenses were playing? Yeah, he doesn't have the Forrest Bunker. Forrest no. Bunker was on. He was on those Sala defenses. He didn't yeah, have and he right now he doesn't have uh, Javon Kinlaw, who they traded yeah. for the Forrest Bunker. So yeah, he's had the move. Yeah, he got the guy. That, yeah. So, um, so sorry, yeah. Jets fans. I'm a Jet fan myself, but like I always think of things in the Jets, in the Jets lens, and and <laughs> seeing D'Amico Ryan, the job he's done calling the defense for the 49ers, it had to be asked. It just had to be asked because I'm like, you would think that you lose that kind of caliber coordinator that you see a fall off, and no, last year doesn't count because they had all those injuries. You see what D'Amico Ryan's on this year, and you're like, oh man, was it really? All Salah's great coaching, you know, it's a question mark. Uh, 
So, th- so that that aspect of the 49ers and judging their game against the Rams is 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 difficult because you see bad quarterback play. You hear you're going on the road. You hear you're trying to beat a team for the third time in a season. All those things, to me, lean you towards Los Angeles in this game. But then you saw the Rams and Matt Stafford kind of do what we all feared they would do with any kind of success. Because they were stunting on the Buccaneers. They were, for two and a half, three quarters, they were stunting on the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers didn't like they deserve to be on the field with the Los Angeles Rams. They were moving the ball easily. Buccaneers had no answers. They couldn't protect Tom Brady at all. You know, after the game, Tom Brady's talking about retirement. He's like, Joe doesn't want to see me get hit like that. Like, that's how bad <laughs> the Bucs were at protecting Tom against that ferocious pass rush. The Rams yeah, Brady, looked like... Yeah, Brady seen ghosts. <laughs> I mean, the Rams looked like... They looked like one of those... They look almost like, a, the, like an NBA team when you kind of see an NBA team kind of faltering in April and March, and like, oh, like a team that you expect to win a championship, like, oh, man, like, are the they Nets. really for real? <laughs> yeah. Um, are they really for real? Like, do we have real questions? And then they get to the postseason, and they just hit another switch. Like, the Rams looked like that team. They looked like an NBA team, like, the you know, the, the Lakers in, in the in the, in the the Kobe Shaq run that could just flip a switch when they actually need to win games and just annihilate people. That's what they looked like the last two weeks. And I was like, wow, this is just not the Rams team I saw the second half of the season. It's the Rams team that I think we all thought they could be, but it's not what we've seen. And then the third quarter and most particularly, particularly the fourth quarter happened, where the concerns you have about their kind of like maturity in these games and the maturity of the quarterback to not turn the ball over and the maturity of the the, the team to kind of take care of business when you have a lead, all these things we kind of have questions about because they don't have a championship pedigree they don't have a bunch of guys who have won championships on that roster von miller by my count is the only player who who is actually like a main factor that has won a championship yeah so we have, we've ever seen a team that hasn't done it before you doesn't have those questions and they look like a team that's never done this before just like that it was in a snap it was crazy to see them be that dominant and then look like a team that was just ready to give it away and they almost did and shout out to Matt Stafford, despite that ridiculous QB draw in the first play of that drive. I told, I tweeted, if I see another QB draw in this uh, NFL playoffs, it'll be too soon. No more QB draw. We just banned the QB draw play for the rest of the postseason. But shout out to Matt Stafford throwing that dime to Cup deep down the middle of the field to set them up for field goal range. That was big time stuff. But them getting it to that point scares me because how you handle success ultimately determines your value as a champion and whether you even become a champion. The Rams had some success. They didn't handle it well. They're going to get a team now that is rough and tumble, but is not as talented as them. How do you handle success? How do you handle expectations? How do you handle coming into a game that you know you're supposed to win? When you, We saw what you did last week, and you you haven't beat this team yet. Those are the things that make that game very difficult for me to pick. They won't have trouble getting motivated. Um, they didn't have trouble getting motivated for the last one either. Uh, I don't they, know if it's a mo- I don't know if it's a motivation thing. It's more of a and I hate to use this word. I hate it. I hate it. Or afraid rather. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I'm gonna say it. It's because I can't think of anything else. It's more of like a clutch gene thing. 
It's not necessarily right. motivation. It's it's like poise. It's calm under pressure. It's focus. All those things relate to clutch play in a sense. And the clutch right. gene is the word that gets used again. I don't really like that, but that's essentially what we're talking about. Do they have that? Do they whatever that championship medal is? Do they have that? And they they did not have it in that game. They had it for Matt Saver had it for one play, and it was enough for them to win. <laughs> but they didn't have it because a, a championship caliber team doesn't allow that to happen. So that scares me going against a team that just. I can't say they won't beat themselves because, you know, I saw Grapple throwing, you know, red zone interceptions. But a team that's just going to continue to punch you in the face. They're just going to keep fighting. Regardless of how well they fight, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give in. So that's 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 a part of this that makes this a scary matchup for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, this game is going to be – the thing about this game is that the Niners don't have the holes that the Bucks had. Um, the Bucks, in many ways, were sort of a shell of a team without the receivers in Godwin and A.B., um, without Tristan Wirfs on the offensive line. Um and so they didn't. They just there was no there was no way they were going to be able to, to move the ball against that team consistently. Um, uh, and and I honestly think they should probably should have ran the ball more. Uh, but it's tough, you know. Tom Brady, you know, it's not a guy that you say yeah, we're going to throw the ball eighteen times. <laughs> yeah, the, the way their offense has normally been built, it's been they've been a pass first offense. They've been uh, they 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 pass to set up the run. Um, but they they've they probably should the, now the 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 Niners are the opposite. The Niners are going to be slow. They're going to be methodical. They're they're very they're fine with you know beating you twenty one seventeen. You know they they're perfectly fine uh, playing a, a, a low scoring game. And that in and of itself it doesn't necessarily make them a better matchup or make it more likely that they would win. But it makes it more feasible that there could be an upset than maybe even in that Bengals game. Although obviously when we talk about that AFC championship game, you've got, you've got a Bengals team that what we saw. And I know this is the, this is really what is sticking with people when it comes to this matchup is what we yeah. saw from the chief secondary right in that Buffalo Bills game. It right. was a Bills team that was able to get almost whatever they wanted uh, particularly a uh, receiver in Gabriel Davis that was able to get whatever he wanted. Um, the, well, the Bengals have a much better receiving core. It's not that the Bills don't have a good receiving core. They just don't have three guys that could be number one options on other teams. Um, the Bengals, you know, they, they've they got a much better receiving core, uh, a more potent offensive, uh, more I, I, I'd say more potent, potent passing game. Um, arguably a more balanced offense as well, uh, better running back and Joe Mixon. It, 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 that's what scares you. Um, if you're talking about that matchup and, and why people feel like Cincinnati had a chance against Kansas City. And when I think about that game, it's also combined with the Chiefs' secondary play, which, to be fair, Tyron Matthew went out with a concussion very early in that game. Yes. He's 
you know, the heart and soul, the quarterback of the defense, whatever you want to, all those euphemisms, he's that of the defense. And he was out immediately. And the, the, the Bills took advantage. It's also what we saw from that secondary the last time they saw Cincinnati. Because Jamar Chase won me a fantasy football championship with the performance he put on against that secondary. He was running rings around them. He had about 260 yards, I think. Like, Madden numbers he put up in that game. Yeah. Burrow, Madden numbers in that game. And when you see that defense seem to, you know, they took, it looked like they took major steps in the right direction after struggling earlier in the year. You kind of wonder if they're starting to take more steps back as we get late in the year to what we saw earlier in the season where now you're relying on Mahomes and offense to just win shootouts. And look, maybe they can. They did last week. Josh Allen had one of the best quarterback games I've ever seen. And I'm not, I'm not the guy that used that kind of hyperbole. I don't. And I'm not someone who just says that, whatever, like, you know, like, just like, like it's nothing. That was one of the best quarterback games I've ever seen. He 100%. was like a superhero. I mean, the play where one of the Chiefs linemen are, is jumping at him, leaping at him, and he's running out of the way. It looked like stuff from the Matrix this guy was doing. And 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 and, and they, had, they, they, they withstood that onslaught because they had Patrick Mahomes. Because he's, he's the only quarterback, I think, in the league who could have won that game against Josh Allen that day. Nobody else. There are very few quarterbacks that ever played this game that could have won that game against Josh Allen the way he was playing. That guy was that guy was that out of his mind in terms of the high level he was playing at. So when you talk about this this matchup, we've seen Burrow reach close to those heights playing against the same team. And they lost that game. Now, that game was on the road, so it's a little different, but it was not that long ago. So the, the, the Bengals will have confidence. I think the thing that that, that, hold, that, that makes it tough for me to, to pick Cincinnati this week is I shot their offensive line a lot of bail last week, saying I think that they're, they are not that great, but I thought that they would have at least a fighting chance, and they would do much better than people expected against Tennessee. And then they went out there and had a record, a record poor performance against that Titans defensive line. My apologies to the Titans pass rush. Um, I, I owe you guys a massive apology. I, I got to eat a million, uh, as much crow as, as you guys can give me. I get it. I, I was talking crazy about y'all defense, and y'all went and sacked the dude nine times. It was <laughs> I couldn't have been more wrong. I was right in the pick. Couldn't have been more wrong about the Titans pass rush being an impact on the game because it was a massive impact. But that's the part that worries me because as great as Josh Allen was, it wasn't like the Chiefs weren't getting home. They were. He just is an alien. He was just get moving, running past guys, moving past guys, avoiding some of these sacks to make these ridiculous throws. Like, Burrow's not going to move like that. He's coming from an ACL. Yeah. He injures his knee in that Chiefs game that they played that they won. He couldn't even go out there for the last play of the game. Like, he he he's he's not 100% and he's not the run he's not the run Josh Allen as very few people are at the quarterback position. So and the Bills have a good offensive line. Like I, the Bills they don't think their offensive line is a weakness. So I expect the Chiefs to get home and when they get home they're going to have a lot more success against Burrow than they did against Allen and that's what would worry me if I was Cincinnati. But we got to get to picks, man. We got to get to picks. So who are you picking in these games? Chiefs, Bengals, let's go there first who you got? Um, Chiefs, Bengals, oh, man. I want the Bengals to win so badly. I want them to. Uh, I do, too. I'm rooting for the Bengals in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be just. Uh, <laughs> look, I mean, we were both huge fans of Bro coming out of coming out of LSU. Um, you know, I I compared him to Tom Brady coming out. I you know, I I thought I remember year one. I was like, I think the Bengals win like ten games the first year. You got, you and Rob Dray were like, what? And I was I was I was dead wrong. They, they <laughs> both, didn't realize they needed Jamar Chase too, but. <laughs> You know, I mean, the fact that he's got them this far in only year two, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, I mean, what he did at LSU was so spectacular that, you know, if you, I mean, and, and, and you know me, I was I was not a fan of him early on in that championship season. I was like, I don't see it, you know. I mean, see, I had a nice little improvement, but I don't see, you know, number one pick or, or top ten pick. Um, and you were the first one telling me this guy is has to be, yeah, you know, looked at as a as an elite prospect. But yeah, but yeah, um, it's crazy to see this happen, and it, it shouldn't be shocking because we've seen plenty of quarterbacks have these kinds of seasons early on in their careers. But one, I mean, besides Mahomes winning it in year three, um, we we also don't normally see it from guys drafted this high because they, they go to bad team you know right i mean yeah. this means he's transformed the worst yeah. team in the league and it's not like the worst team in the league like it was just some team that had a guy hurt yeah it's yeah some Bengals. fluky stuff that happened right yeah yeah you know all the steelers ended up with number one pick and then they you know yeah. they got they got uh you know terry bradshaw and then they went on to win five so it was like you know nothing crazy like that this is you know this is the cincinnati Bengals. You know who have been a been perpetually terrible, mm-hmm. were bad, were awful when they got them. Just an awful situation. They don't have a GM because their owner's too cheap, <laughs> and yet he's got them potentially. He's got them one game away from the Super Bowl, potentially in the Super Bowl with a win this weekend. With all that being said, uh, <laughs> I've got the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to win this one. Uh, Thirty-seven. Uh, 20 i'm gonna say 37 20 i don't think it'll be that close but i hope i'm wrong i hope the i hope the Bengals can do it i'll be rooting very hard you know joe burrow also i don't want to see the same team three years in a row man uh, yeah I hate it, it starts getting to that golden state warriors territory of you know this is i gotta watch this every year <laughs> you know joe burrow has not has not he's turned the ball over once uh since week 14 or oh, sorry, week thirteen. He's only talking about level once. That was one the one pick he had last week, which really wasn't his fault in that game. But up to that, he he had went like like six straight weeks without turning the ball or five straight weeks without turning the ball over at all. No fumbles lost, no picks. And I think that has been kind of the the last step in kind of this evolution of him really looking like a superstar, where before he kind of looked like a, a promising, very good young player. The turnovers are not happening at nearly the rate it was earlier in the year. And that's their chance. They, they can't turn the ball over. He knows he's going to get hit. He's got to be able to hold on to the ball. That's going to be a big key in this game. I, I I think the problem will be, I think the Chiefs just, they just keep coming, man. They hit you in waves. It's just like crazy to watch their offense execute. You know, you can't ever let up. You can't ever feel like you're comfortable. Again, like we saw last week, 13 seconds is not enough for you to feel comfortable. <laughs> you can stop them from scoring. And the Bengals 
even when they've played great, I just feel like we see those times where they're not hitting on all cylinders. They may have two, three, four straight drives where they're just not there. You're like, what's going on? You can't, you cannot do that against these Chiefs. You just can't. They, you know, to beat them, I think you got to play almost a perfect offensive game, at least especially on the road. Maybe not at home, especially on the road. You got to play almost a perfect offensive game. I, I don't, I don't think that Cincinnati's ready for all that. So I'm gonna go with the Chiefs winning by about ten points. Let's say a, a like a like a thirty-seven to twenty-six kind of game. I know it's eleven points, but I'll go thirty-seven twenty-six kind of game. I think it would be competitive for the most part, but I think the Chiefs will be in control for most, for 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 the majority of this game, and they'll take care of business. NFC Championship game, Niners Rams. Who you got? Niners Rams. Ah. Uh. Uh, I'll go. This is going to be an interesting game. I think this one will be close. Uh, I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it because I actually do want this team to win, but I, I hate to hate to get a rematch. But I got the Niners. Uh, I got the Niners in this game. I think the, the Shanahan McVay dynamic will continue. Um, <laughs> Shanahan beats Lafleur and McVay. In back-to-back week weekends, uh, I'll go Niners. Niners twenty-five, Rams twenty-two. Whew. Weird score. Upset pick. But I think there. I think it's yeah. I think it's going to be close. They got a couple of turnovers. Change the game. Ugh, man, this is tough. I'm gonna say the Rams find a way to win this game. I don't feel great about this pick, but beating a team three times, we see it. We always talk about it in the NFL, and we always talk about it in college basketball. Beating a team yes. three times because of the college football sometimes. Yeah, college football some yeah yeah no college football doesn't happen as much. Mostly it's twice. It's, I'm talking about the three time deal. Like like because of the way the sport did it happen work, one time in uh did it ever happen where you face a team. It's like almost impossible. In the regular season, the conference championship, <laughs> and then you had to face them. In, like they would have had to have lost. To, no, I don't think that's ever happened. I'm pretty sure. It's <laughs> I don't think it's possible. And under this current, you know, playoff now, in the next one, I don't know. But no, I, I I just feel like you know I do believe in the beating a, a good team three times is is very difficult, and I do believe in the concept that uh, at a certain point. The, the lackluster quarterback play you're getting is going to come back to bite you. And from based on what I saw from, again, three quarters of what I saw from the Rams defense, they made Tom Brady look like that. They, I have no confidence that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to play much better than Tom Brady did last week. And the Rams now is really, to me, this game is about them. It's not as much about the 49ers. The 49ers are who they are. I have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan. I have a lot of respect for the physicality they bring to every game they play. They go out there, and if you're not going to take the game, they'll take it. And I kind of respect that kind of grown man kind of football that they, they, they that attitude that they kind of come that they bring every week. But I don't think you can play that way against a team that, that is this talented and beat them three times in a row. You know, the Rams should have beat them the second time, and they uh, completely fell asleep in the second half, similar to how they played against the four. The, excuse me, the, the Buccaneers last week. So I mean, there's no excuse for them to fall asleep at this point. Fell asleep against the 49ers to end the season. Fell asleep last week and almost 
Sawyer sees him go down the, the toilet to the box. If you fall asleep in this game, then, I mean, there's nothing, I have nothing for you. I have no explanation. I have no ex- sympathy or no excuse for how that could happen. So I think the Rams will be on their P's and Q's. I think they'll, 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 they'll be battled. It was not going to be easy, but I think Jimmy not being able to uh, really put constant pressure on the Rams defense is why I'll have the Rams winning by a final score of 24 to 17. Let's get to the travesty that was the National Baseball Hall of Fame this week. The path to baseball's Hall of Fame may have been closed for good for the game's greatest hitter and pitcher of all time. The National Baseball Hall of Fame announced its newest class voted by the Baseball Writers of America and noticeably absent from the list was seven-time NL MVP Barry Bonds and seven-time Cy Young Award winner Roger Clemens. Both players who have extensive connections to PEDs did not make the 75% threshold to make the cut for this year's Hall of Fame class. This was their 10th and final year of eligibility on the writer's ballot. Bonds and Clemens each finished with 66 and 65% of the vote respectively former red sox slugger david ortiz who was the only player voted in by the writers finished with just under 78 percent during his first year on the ballot that is a first ballot hall of famer in david ortiz now kendall the candidacy of roger clemens and your guy the reason why you follow new york that's excuse me the san francisco giants the reason why you know you got into baseball barry bonds yes their candidacy has been controversial to say the least did the voters get this one right by keeping them out? Oh, no chance they got this right. Um, yeah, there's there's no chance. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Vince McMahon. No chance in hell. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was like, I did, I, this is the time where I wish I had the sound for the play. Yeah, we got to the <laughs> the play to Vince McMahon. Uh, theme music. No <laughs> we we, we got to keep like a tracker. We write down those moments where we like wish we had a soundboard so when we get a soundboard. We can add all. Yeah, we add them, add them posthumously to the podcast. <laughs> we gotta, we start a Google Doc. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, no chance they got this right. Um, it's the principle is one thing. If you're, if you're just as our mom, you know, our mom says you always got to be, you know, if, if you're just someone who's just stuck in your principles or whatever, like it's that's one, that's one thing. And you're saying, I'm never going to go for a steroid guy. Whatever. What I don't like, and, and obviously, again, we don't know all of the voters. There are some voters that are consistent in the way they vote, and that's fine. The problem is when we have this gray area of voters who are willing to vote for one guy who did steroids or another guy who has a, sh- a shadowy cloud, but they're not willing to vote for another guy. You know, or this guy, I don't know when he started using, so I'm going to not put him in, but we think this guy was using at this point. So I, at that point, it's a gray area that, that is, it's, it's a fine line that's far too, far too hard to navigate. Um, and we're in a situation now where we've got a guy like David Ortiz that tested positive for steroids. It was an anonymous survey. Um... Rob Manfred said that was a survey in which there was there was about there was at least about 10, 10 false positives amongst the people that tested positive. His idea was, well, maybe David Ortiz is one of the false positives. So don't hold it against him. 
baloney. I, I mean, it's absolute baloney. Look, and and again, and I'm not saying that say David Ortiz shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because you know me, I love Big Poppy. Yes, I think he 100 should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he should be first ballot for what he mm-hmm. did for the Boston Red Sox organization. But there's no way David Ortiz should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you make Barry Bonds wait 10 years and have him not get it. Same with Roger Clemens. There's just no, there's no argument. I, I, I mean, there's there's no reason why a guy like Pudge Rodriguez, who I, I, I don't even remember what happened with Pudge. We talked about this years ago when he got in, how that was ridiculous, how this guy had. Yeah, Jose Canseco said that, said that he injected Pudge Rodriguez. We have a guy saying we have a, a, a known steroid user say admitting, oh, yeah, I, I injected this guy with, with steroids and he's in the Hall of Fame. But Barry Bonds, who never tested positive, be, you know, but because he, he was linked to some some lab, which, again, super shady. I'm not even arguing that it wasn't shady. I'm not arguing he didn't use steroids. I'm just saying be consistent. We can't have these guys with steroid clouds in the Hall of Fame, and then you decide we're going to leave. We're going to leave Barry Bonds off. And we're going to leave Roger Clemens off because, you know, they were almost too good. Like, they're, they're it's like, it's like they're being punished for being too good. They're being punished for breaking records. If Roger Clemens didn't have seven Cy Youngs, but he had three, maybe he'd be in. If Barry Bonds didn't hit 750-something home runs, but he hit 650-something, maybe he'd be in. And that's a disgrace. Yeah, this this they got it really wrong with this. This is a, a travesty. This is a disgrace. And it's a shame that we have a bunch of writers who are so holier than thou that can um, decide kind of the fate of the sport for years and years and generations and beyond. And we can't even hold them to task. We don't even get to to question who these people are. Only the people who say, hey, here's my ballot. This is what I did and, and why. A lot of these people are just hiding in the shadows. To me... I think that, you know, I, I you know, shout out to Tim Kirchin. I, I think that, you know, when it comes to baseball, he's one of the most respected voices and minds. I respect him a great deal. And I agree with him that this isn't, I'm not going to say this is easy per se. He always says this is very difficult. He says it's been the hardest 10 years of his voting career of having to vote because of the situation. But what I need to, who I need to hear from, because he, he voted for Bonds and Clemens. I need to hear from, the, you know, we don't know exactly how much a percentage voted for Bonds and Clemens that didn't vote for Ortiz, but there's probably somewhere between ten and five percent of people who voted for Ortiz, but didn't vote for Bonds and Clemens. I need them to come to the front of the class and show their work. We need <laughs> explanations. We need answers. I because we have major questions about yeah, you just their gave methodology. Me I just gave you what. You just gave me a lot of PTSD. <laughs> sorry, sorry about. Sorry if you're still thinking about the MS 158 days, Kendall. Yeah. But I, I need these folks to come to class and show their work. And I, I and it's crazy. It's funny to me. It's not. It's not funny, but it's ironic to me that I haven't heard one of these people make this case. Yeah, no. I've heard, yeah, I've I've heard, heard people. I heard other people say I'm not ever voting for bonds and and whatever because you know whatever. I've heard them. They've said their piece, and then I've heard the people that said I'm voting for all steroid people. I've heard them. Where are the people that saw David Ortiz 
in a in a New York Times article say that this man tested positive PEDs in 2003 when he was playing for the Twins and said that's okay. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Oh, but Bonds and Clemens, you use steroids. And we still don't have a positive test, by the way. We have we do have Bonds as a we have, you know, a, a uh, you know, a trainer for Ronald Clemens saying he injected him and Andy Pettit saying he saw him get ejected. And we have, you know, Bonds in a testimony saying they gave me something called the creamy clear and I just put it on. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. That's all we but we have no positive test from either one of them guys. And those guys you're saying no, they're not they're not in. And what what bothers me is what I'm seeing is they're kind of playing this weird kind of like judge and jury game with oh, you used steroids and took and then therefore had an advantage and we saw your your play improve, your numbers improve, so because of that, I'm going to dock you with Ortiz because he was a guy that was on the verge of being designated for assignment in Minnesota when he tested positive and then he claims he, he never he's been tested ever since never tested positive moving forward uh, because we didn't see anything related to steroids and you having great performance we're not going to dock you for what you still the, the the overall crime is this idea that you're cheating the game of baseball that you're taking some kind of shortcut it doesn't matter that you did it if they don't deem that you benefited from it, they're willing to say, okay, we'll just give you a pass. And then there's the aspect of, look, Barry Bonds, not a very likable dude. He he went out of his way to be unlikable. And you had folks who took that very personally and brought their agendas into their ballot. That's unacceptable. That cannot happen. The Baseball Hall of Fame is one of the most hallowed grounds in all of sports. It is the best Hall of Fame. It is the most exclusive class when it comes to the Hall of Fame. You cannot have agendas helping write the stories of the history of baseball. You just can't happen. Just can't happen. And as you alluded to, my biggest pet peeve, my biggest issue with people, because I've I've evolved on this. I was I've evolved in this. I used to be a guy that was like, I'm gonna I would put you in if I didn't think steroids was the reason why you were Hall of Famer. So my my in my head it was like McGuire, Bonds, Clemens, like those guys I'd put in and I wouldn't put in someone like Sosa. I'd be like, You were an average player and all of a sudden you were hitting sixty six home runs and you look like you could play running back for the Bears and so we know what happened. But I, I'm even off that now. Because I just feel like it's it's it's, it's hypocrisy to only uh, only um, um, penalize power pitchers and power hitters because that's what we're doing. I think about the guys that that eventually got in but had to wait. Jeff Bagwell, Mike Piazza, Mike Piazza, of course, a New York Met. I love dearly having watched him play in New York City for my team. And there's just nothing with Mike Piazza and steroids. There's Hey, I saw him take his shirt off and he had acne on his back. There's, he was really big and strong. And that's it. Not, not I mean, unless it's something off the record nobody said and, for. And, and there, there, there was Roy Rage. Right, right. And it was him choking out Guillermo Mota. Like, that was it. That was literally it. That's your evidence for Mike Piazza in steroids. And yet, despite the fact that he's the greatest 
hitting catcher of all time, you had folks that did not want to vote Mike Piazza in. Mike Piazza not being the first battle Hall of Famer is asinine. But people didn't want to vote him in. Why? I don't know. He's big and strong. He hit home runs. He might have used steroids, man. You can't, I'm not putting him in. I'm not doing it. How does that make any sense? Kendall, I love Craig Biggio. Definitely, I think he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. He's a great player. Again, that's, that's my golden era of baseball. But the notion that, Jeff, that Craig Biggio got in the Hall of Fame before Jeff Bagwell, also asinine. As someone who rooted for a team in the National League that played the Astros, you know, six to eight times a year. You're lying if you said that when you went up against that lineup, your first concern was Biggio over Jeff Bagwell. You're just lying. That's not true. Biggio is a great player. But Bagwell was the guy that quote-unquote stirred the drink. Shout out to Reggie Jackson. We all know that. That's not some... <laughs> that's not some mystery. It's not a, oh, I don't know. We know who the best player was in their lineup. We know the guy that, as AB says, we know the guy who got it popping. But Jeff Bagwell had to wait four or five years. How long he had to wait? Because they were like, I don't know, man. He was big and strong, and he hit steroids. He hit home runs. He must have used steroids. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? But then, but then, Kendall, guys like Derek Jeter, guys like Craig Biggio, Guys like Greg Maddox, guys like Tom Glavin, they just get in with 90% of the vote. I and mean, then Craig Bees was 90, but they get in easy. No suspicions, no nothing. You know, it, it, it's so inconsistent. And my and and again, yeah. those guys have had no allegations. I want to make myself very clear. I'm not saying I think those guys use steroids. I'm not saying that I know those guys use steroids. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is there's an inconsistent uh, uh, standard being put in place and it's just going to, it only benefits the guys who just didn't hit a lot of home runs or didn't throw 100 miles an hour. Or guys who didn't look big. Like, John, Randy Johnson threw 100 miles an hour, but he was a string, he looked like a string bean. So I guess he didn't use steroids. But we know that's baloney because we've been seeing guys get tested for steroids for the last 15 years. How many times do you see a guy that's just a bum, just a flat out yeah. bum, and you find out he's been popped for 50 games for using steroids? And you're like, that guy? Yeah. He's using steroids? Melky Cabrera got suspended like twice. Yeah. The guy was a singles hitter. Steroid use isn't always about just hitting home runs. It's about staying healthy. It's about endurance. It's about being able to to, to sustain your play for a long period of time. It's a long season. Recovering from injuries. Andy Pettit wasn't some 98-mile-an-hour fastball. He wasn't that kind of pitcher. D. Gordon. Remember D. Gordon? (laughs) D. Gordon was a, he stole bases. He's a beaster. He's not some power hitter. I mean, what are we, what are we doing here, fam? Like, what are, what are we actually doing here? Because you hit home runs and we think you use steroids, nah, you just automatically out? How does that make any sense? We've seen evidence for the last 15 years that you just kind of don't know who's using steroids and who is. I remember Rafael Palmeiro when, he was in the he was in these reports and he had the allegations, and remember people were like, "Man, Rafael Palmeiro, he's like an A class dude. Like, yeah, he has home runs, but like, look at him. Like, he's just not that big, strong guy. Like, he never got bigger over the course of his career. Like, how could we say that he used that role? That's nonsense. He went up there to Congress. Shout out to the, the the late Elijah Cummings. You know, he's waving his finger at Elijah Cummings and all them congressmen. I've never used steroids. Period. With that mustache. He went up there to Congress. He went to Capitol Hill, waving his finger. And we were like, man, if a guy's going to go out there with that kind of passion 
that kind of heart. We know what kind of character he is on the baseball field. He's not some bodybuilder-looking guy. Man, maybe this terror, maybe we got this thing wrong. Maybe we shouldn't be listening to Jose Canseco. He's a unscrupulous character in itself. Like, maybe we should chill out. Like, uh, like three months later, the guy's tested positive for steroids. We, we, we've never gotten this thing right. We were cheering Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire when Mark McGuire had Andrew in his locker. We, like, we, we, would, we would want to build statues for those guys. Those guys made a lot of money. We celebrate those guys. Those guys brought the game back. Baseball hasn't been the same since Barry Bonds was hitting 500-foot bombs. And now we're going to penalize those guys and tell people who come to the National Baseball Hall of Fame for the rest of their lives, for the rest of time, that that era of this incredible play just doesn't matter because we think guys cheated. How many cheated. baseball writers? It's, 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 it's nonsense, dog. It's nonsense. How many baseball writers profited off of Barry Bonds? How many baseball all of them. writers? All of them. I, I will, I'll answer that question with you right now, Kendall. All of them. If you were many, working in baseball in that time, you all profited from Barry Bonds. Shout all out, of them. Shout out to, 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 to our guy, Rob Parker. Shout out, of course, my mentor. I love Rob Parker. Shout out to him as always. He he made he. I mean, he just destroyed them on MLB Network. He, he the baseball writers. And he said, "How many of us we 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 voted for Barry Bonds to win all those MVPs? All right. those MVPs you're upset about him winning? We gave him the MVPs when we knew he was on something, <laughs> and we still you, voted you for saw, him. You, you saw that man walking in the courtrooms talking about Balco." And y'all are still giving him his MVP. seventh, still giving him his seventh MVP award. Again, what are and we talking about? And now don't want to vote for him for, to be in the Hall of Fame. How hypocritical is that? And I, I forget who it was one of these one of these baseball writers. Again, it may have been Kirchin, it may have been Heyman. I, I want to say it was, it was maybe Bob Costas, somebody that was on the coverage. Said they've got to consider moving to just stats only you know and forget all of the forget all the i have to determine if this guy you know maybe have an eligibility council or something that that decides who's eligible and who's not and then go off of that and just say statistically should this guy be in the hall of fame but having everybody decide who's the most virtuous or who's who's virtuous enough to make it to the hall of fame you know how many racists are in the hall of fame Facts. You know how many scumbags are in the Hall of Fame? You know how many cheaters? Just flat yeah. out, guys who cheated the game. Guys who were scuffing 100%. baseballs, were doing wild stuff. The stuff they were doing in the 70s, these pitchers. Yeah. Putting spit on the ball, putting tar on the baseball. They were doing crazy stuff. Yeah. Guy, they were guys in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> guys, we don't even talk about the guy. Gaylord yeah. Perry was known as one of the biggest cheaters in all the game when yeah. he was pitching. Yeah, it's it's... Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's it's ridiculous again. This it's, it's it's so hypocritical, you know. I mean, we we are now we're in an age now where, you know, like for me, I, I mean, I'm seeing Jose Altuve his entire career coming up from when he came into the league till now. We I know that little scandal with the cheating, and I don't know how much that affected, how much better he was. In some of those years in Houston and how long they've been doing that. You know, there's, there's a lot of cloud. I'm not going to then say he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. He should arguably be first ballot. But 
like that that shouldn't affect where not a guy's that's the, the all these people are imper- imperfect the sport they're all imperfect. imperfect and then again it's part it, of their it story becomes, it then becomes a a, a a question of i don't know how many other people are doing it as far as we know some people were saying the red sox were doing it with cora i, I don't know what's going on it's all it, it, it you know i mean it, when you're in this that, that steroid era and you've got a league where you know at least one tenth of the of the entire league is juicing, if not more. At least one tenth yeah, of the league. That's a, that's a, that's the stuff. That's the stuff that we're able to detect. Exactly. Remember that steroid testing back then was just like that was like it was the, very. Yeah, that was, was like very, the, that uh, was like the, that was like the test you take when you're trying to get the security job. You know, at the at the at the at the at the, uh, at the warehouse. You know, yeah. when they make you take a that, that's they weren't giving you the real. They weren't giving you that Olympic level test. Yeah, they the were Olympic. They were giving the they need the test you need to take when you're trying to get a job at Target. That's what they were doing back then. Yeah, like that's why Barry Bonds never failed. <laughs> he, he had yeah. the whole plan. They 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 knew everything. He's like, yo, take this joint yeah. and then take this joint, and you'll never you'll never see anything. Then they didn't want to test for HGH. They're like, yo, man, people taking HGH. They're like, well, does it require you to draw blood? We're like, yeah, sorry, we ain't doing it. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? You now you announcing that you're not gonna test for something that's helping guys. Uh, Get 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 off get off like, man. It's just what my my solution. My only solution is I think it should be. There, there's no longer should be just hey here's just these 400 people and they got the vote until they die. That that can't happen. You got to have a rotating list. You got to have, and and I think that you need to have a lot of people who were grew up in the era of the guys that they're voting on. Because I think that's a large issue too. You have so many of these guys holding on to. You know, again, shout out to the legendary Joe Morgan. Shout out to the legendary Hank Aaron. I know those men felt very strongly about steroid users, and those guys did so much for the game, particularly for black players. I, I'm never gonna say a bad word about those men. But you have some of these people that are holding on to the to the words, to the feelings of guys that are long past the game, and 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 and, and that's not right. The game moves on. The game. You know, we will always honor those guys' legacy. We will always talk about the the great um, legacy and the great things those guys accomplished. But we can't just be holding on to the past and doing everything we do in regards to how we vote stuff for currently. You and know, in, nuance, in that lens, these, there's, there's nuance, nuance, there's nuance to everything. And I that. and I feel like there's too many old. You have too many older heads that are that are doing this vote. They're like, well, yo, man, I voted for guys in the seventies who weren't using steroids. Like, I'm not voting for guys now. It's just like, fam, like, you gotta let that go. You just gotta let that go. You can't have the greatest hitter of all time and just say, like, yo, we're not even gonna acknowledge him in the whole thing. That's ridiculous. Like, I don't know what, like, I don't know, I, I don't know. And then, and then the, the way you're doing it is through some arbitrary thing about, you know, again, I'm not gonna say there's, there's like nothing. Like, clearly, there's a lot of evidence that Bond used steroids, but. 100%. But the, but this arbitrary thing of like I'm just gonna pick and choose the guys I want and the guys yes. I don't want. Yeah, but and that's the thing. Like, like we're saying that can't if do there that, isn't man. there isn't the same amount of evidence that David Ortiz probably used it. Right. Like David Ortiz, Max Kellerman, you know, said it on his radio show. Like David Ortiz went from you know a middle of the road pedestrian player in Minnesota he got designated for assignment, dog. That was designated for assignment. They to, cut him. The best DH arguably ever, along with Edgar Martinez. That just came out of nowhere. I mean, again, maybe it did. Maybe it happened with steroids. 
regardless, I'm not saying you shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But by how that, are we going to? But look by that voting? standard, right? By that standard, you can't then say, "Oh, but I'm, I'm okay with voting him in, but not Bonds and McGuire. I mean, or Bonds and, and Clemens." That that yeah. that's the part of it that doesn't. And I, doesn't you know, you know what? I'll tell you the other thing that I think is really key, and this is going to sound stupid, but I think if Bonds had a title, I think he'd be in. I can't say that because doesn't Clemens have a title? Clemens, yeah, I I can't really speak for why that would matter. And then look, A Rod's got a title, and he's not because they, he, they were getting basically the same vote, like you know, they were like one percent difference. So it seemed like they were. Arguments. It seemed like they were a package deal. Yeah, and I've seen some. I mean, you know, Greg Amstinger on the coverage of the Hall of Fame made made an interesting point, made a question of if those guys weren't linked at the joint, linked at the hemp. If there was, if Barry Bonds was in it without Roger Clemens, would he have gotten in? With Roger Clemens, if he was a, a candidate without Barry Bonds, would he have gotten in? It's an interesting question to ask. I mean, but because it's like it becomes this extended issue when you've got two guys together. Um, Tom Verducci was also on the on the on the on the coverage, great coverage by LMB Network, which is why I keep referencing it. Yeah, he it made the point that look. These guys, we, these these aren't the first two steroid guys we've had to deal with. Mark McGuire, you know, was right, kind of exactly. on it by himself, and he had no shot at getting it. So it's not like these are the first two guys, but these guys are better than Mark McGuire, and it's a different circumstance to their careers than Mark McGuire. So look, it's 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 just it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't really I don't really get it, um, but. To me, it doesn't do anything but hurt the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is why it's stupid. Um, it makes the, it makes it look less than. It makes it look sort of. It doesn't. It only puts an. It doesn't put an asterisk on Bond's career. It puts an asterisk on the Hall on of the Hall of Fame. One hundred percent. Yeah, it puts an asterisk on the Hall of Fame. How we look at. Yeah, it. they don't put the best players in. You Not to up. mention, this is a whole another conversation. But you got another guy in Pete Rose, who. With, you know, <laughs> Bob Costas made a joke at the end of the show. He was like, oh, and by the way, uh, Pete Rose is in the Hall of Fame. And uh, and we, we're going to we're going to, to DraftKings, sponsored yeah. by DraftKings. Yeah, you know, yeah like, that, ends our, that ends our coverage, courtesy of DraftKings. <laughs> yeah, courtesy of DraftKings. It's like, ridiculous. I mean. The whole that, Pete Rose so- thing was crazy. Cause they, it's almost like they, they, like, purposely said, yo, we ain't letting him in. It was like, yo, like, he wasn't even part, like, when he ever got banned, when he got banned or whatever, they didn't even have a ruling on like is he eligible for the Hall of Fame. There was no ruling. It wasn't yeah. until the year before he was eligible where they were like, "Oh, by the way, if you on this list, like you can't get in." And they were like, "Yo, what?" <laughs> like they were like they expected him to still get in even though he was banned. But like it, it was baseball made some ruling right before that. Yeah. Hey, this guy is on an exempt list. He shouldn't be getting voted into the Hall of Fame. And it was like, okay, well we follow MLB, so I guess we have no choice but to not make him eligible. It's, it's man, it's it's whack. It's all whack. I will say though, um, um, I had no, I, I had no issue with Kurt Schilling not being in the Hall of Fame. R.I.P. Bozo. I have, I have nothing to say about that. Sorry. I agree. You, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do hate speech. We don't need you in the Hall of Fame. Um, let's wrap the show, Kendall. NBA All Star results. NBA All Star stars have been selected for this year's midseason festivities in Cleveland, and like every year, there is some contention with some of the picks. LeBron James and KD will serve as team captains after receiving the most amount of fan votes for their respective conferences. 
rounding out the rest of the Eastern Conference representative, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Trey Young, and DeMar DeRozan. Joining James as the Western Conference representatives, you have Stephen Curry, Ja Morant, Nikola Jokic, and Andrew Wiggins. Now, James will have served as one of the All-Star captains in at least five of the last seasons. Oh, excuse me. Each of the, fa- each of the past five seasons since the NBA did away with the East versus West format. This is the second consecutive season Durant was selected as a starter, as a, as a, as a captain. Meanwhile, the selection of Andrew Wiggins is being met with mixed reactions from the media and the fans. Kendall, I'm going to ask the same question I asked you with the Hall of Fame. Did the combination of the fans and the media and the players get this right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, the All-Star game is always weird because when it comes to the starters especially, there's it's not a whole lot of... It's not a whole lot to, to go crazy about. I mean, Dwayne Wade mentioned it on uh, Inside the NBA uh, or NBA, NBA TNT on Tuesday, whatever they call it, uh, that uh, there, there's, you know, the difference between being a starter and and being a, being a guy that makes it. Being, being a guy that makes it is more important uh, than, than whether or not you're a starter or not. But uh, there is a little bit of an added thing, of course. And... For for the guys that they picked, I mean, to me, I think the biggest the biggest storyline is the fact that you've got a guy in Andrew Wiggins that uh, I don't think anyone looks at as your typical all star starter type of player, um, but he is an all star starter, and I, and I don't think it's crazy given it we're at, we're in a weird year for front court play in the Western Conference. Um, Without with the injuries that we've seen to guys like Paul George and Corey Leonard and Zion and Anthony Davis, it's created a bit of a uh, of a void and uh, in, in at that spot. And so, yeah, I mean, Andrew Wiggins. It's also weird because he hasn't. He's a guy who's made his first All Star game in like year eight, but he's not that much better of a player. You know, like <laughs> he, I mean, he's averaging eighteen points a game. I mean, he's averaged twenty three. Multiple times, you know. His numbers look 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 very, very much the same from the last like three seasons. Yeah, it'd be like there's no difference. Um, but obviously, like, he's playing on an excellent team, which he's never done in his career. Um, you know, he's, he, you mentioned it, but you know, we were talking about it beforehand. He, he's a much better defensive player now, much smarter player, um, and all those things do matter. Um, and and I, I'm glad he made it over Draymond Green. I know there would be some people that argue Draymond's more important to that team, and that's a conversation. But sometimes I'm like, being more important and who deserves to be in the you know starting the All Star game is a different conversation. You know, um, Draymond is an excellent defender. Uh, he is like the heart and soul of that team. I'm not arguing that they'd be better with Wiggins than they would <laughs> with Draymond, but of course. But at the same time, what Wiggins is doing is it it it, 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 it's like really depends on just how do you evaluate these things. I don't even say it's harder, but it's just it's more like what an all star would do. You know, (laughs) Draymond is a different kind of great player. So it's it's, he's always been so hard to evaluate. But, you know, I I have no problem if Draymond makes the all star game. I think that would be deserved. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Wiggins got to start. I would have wow. given it to Gobert, but that's that's me personally. But you know, I, I think Wiggins actually deserve to make all three. Yeah, Wiggins making the All Star game, I can definitely live with. Um, I think he's played really well this season. He's 
an excellent defensive player. He's a much smarter offensive player, much more efficient offensive player. The totality of his numbers are pretty much the same from the last three seasons, but the impact is just different. He's a, a, a big-time player for the Warriors. There's no question about that. You don't win 35 games with him as your second-leading scorer, and he's just a guy out there. He's, he's clearly impacting the game on a, on a high level. I think what we're hearing from fans and what I've been saying for so many years, I, I don't know why it took Andrew Wiggins to be the the, the linchpin that, that makes people wake up to this obvious inevitability that should be that all-star voting should be banned from the fans. We should be banned. There's no excuse, Kendall, for fans to be deciding something as uh, some, something that's such a high honor as making an all-star game. Making an all-star game could lead to more money, more endorsements, uh, more money in salary, uh, better trade value, um, better Hall of Fame case. Like it's not like making all-star games is not nothing. Like it's a big deal, and Andrew Wiggins. Should not be starting the All Star game. That to me is is pretty clear when you see some of the other guys you could have picked. It's not like there was great pickings, but he probably shouldn't have started. I think Cat, I think Rudy Gobert, are two very easy picks that could have been ahead of him. You know, maybe at that point, maybe say, okay, a lot of the other guys you're talking about got hurt. There's some weird kind of positional things too, like Luka Doncic is a guard. I mean, I don't know. He he could easily be a forward, but <laughs> whatever. So. But to me, there are obviously two or three guys that clearly should be there. Wiggins definitely could be an all-star, and I'm fine with that. But fan voting should be abolished because this farce, <laughs> this farce. It's a grinch. Yeah, this farce that somehow we should let the fans vote because it's the fans' game, and this is representative of what the fans want to see, is not true. It is cap. Don't let anybody come to you with that fake news ever again. Kendall, I saw the voting for this All-Star game. I think I saw Donovan Mitchell had like 800,000 votes, I think. Like, like it was like 800,000 votes up up until this week. I don't know what he finished with. But, you know, the voting ended up ended up being the same as the guys who were in the lead. So I wanted to see what happened last. What was the voting like last week? Where did the numbers stand? Andrew Wiggins had 2 million, 2.6 million votes. Donovan Mitchell, who's a guard, and to be fair, it is a different position, but he is a guard. He has six hundred thousand votes. Does I anyone? Mean, yeah. Does anyone? I, I, no one believes that the fans wanted to see Andrew Wiggins in the All Star game more well, than, than and, excuse me more than than Donovan Mitchell. The, the that's other, just, the other that's just that, not true. Obviously, like you said, look statistically, because like you said, because Wiggins is a forward. If fans are voting the right way, and they looked at it and said, "Look, Ja." And Curry are locks, and maybe Doncic is the third guy that people would look at. And then, like, so Mitchell didn't have a Booker; like, he had more competition. Whereas there's three spots for Wiggins, two guys. Okay, that I'll, were I'll go with and, the forwards. I'll go with the forwards. Nobody wanted to see Andrew Wiggins in the All Star game more than Paul George, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green. I'll even include Carmelo Anthony, though. Of course, he shouldn't have been an All Star. Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and DeAndre. No, I'll leave DeAndre out now. Maybe there are people who want to see Andrew Wiggins more. All those other guys, that's not. It's not representative. It's it's only representative of people who care to vote, and that's a very small percentage of NBA watchers. So wait. So what's your point? So my point like is Andrew that. Wiggins, so you just so my, you my, said point is, my point is that it's a, my point is that it's a, it's a false 
It's a false sample size. This is not – it's capped that the fans want to see Andrew Wiggins vote. This is a small – the people who vote are not necessarily the majority of people who watch the All-Star game, who are interested in the All-Star game. Oh, right, right, right. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's, it's not true. <laughs> it, it, no way it's true. And it's unfair – we have a guy named Andrew Wiggins who plays in a place, uh, the Bay Area, that has 7 million people. And Rudy Gobert plays in a state that has 3 million. You know, Minnesota, a state that has, I don't know, probably around the same number, probably about 3 million, maybe 4 million people. Someone knows the, the population of Minnesota. They can look it up. 5 million. The whole state. Wiggins plays in a metro area that has 7 million people who are determined to get him in the All-Star game for some reason. I don't I mean, I don't know. I don't really get it. But they went on a campaign. He's also got a country behind him. And they said, yo, man, let's get this guy in the All-Star game. It'd be funny. And now we have Andrew Wiggins starting in the All-Star game. That's <laughs> not guys, representative like, of the fans. You're saying like, this is like the Taco Fall, you know, Jeremy Lin, where it's like he doesn't – I mean, he play, he's had a very good year. He's had know? a good year, Kendall. I'm not saying I know that he's had a good year. That's why I said I was. I'm happy he's made the All Star game. I am happy about that. I think he. I think he's had a year deserving of being an All Star. But fan voting is a farce. It needs to be abolished. This idea that this is what the fans want to see who watch NBA basketball <laughs> is cap. It's the just, bigger it, issue. If, is- if it was, then why are these people complaining about him starting? I like I, I, on my timeline. It's all these people going crazy about the fact that Andrew Wiggins started. I'm like, where? The, why didn't you guys vote? Where the hell were you? But that's because nobody cares enough about the All Star game to vote. They'll watch. They want to pay attention. They want the guys to get the right honors. They care enough about the NBA for that regard. But the motivation to vote isn't enough to say, well, this is what the fans want to see. So just let them have it. Fan voting should be a Grant Hill made the All Star game with a broken ankle. I saw Vince Carter make an all-star game after playing 12 games. Yao Ming has made all-star games with broken oh, yeah, feet, well, I mean, broken we're talking knees. About, <laughs> what are we talking me, about here? These guys should not. The fans aren't representative you're, you're of me, uh, what the people want to see with the voting. You're giving me examples of guys that in years where, where the fan, fan vote was all that mattered. Now, we're not, that's not the case anymore. Now, it's a small percentage. No, 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 no it's not a small percentage. It's 50%. 50%. Of the vote is fans, twenty five percent is media, twenty five percent is still uh, All right. players. Half, so half, half, that's half. That's not little. That's that's the majority. The other but, two aspects only have twenty five percent of the say. But now we know say. that you can't make it. Like you can't you can, you can't start as as some clown show if you only if you only have the fan vote. Clearly Wiggins got <laughs> clearly Wiggins got vote from the players or the in the media as well. He got enough. He got enough. <laughs> you got enough, but and it also what hurt them is that there were so many clown fan votes. Like not only like it's even less about Wiggins as much as it was guys like AD and Paul George and Melo getting votes. And guys like guys who weren't playing or guys who've been hurt or just aren't that good. That then siphoned votes from you guys right who about actually that. had a case like Cat and. But and that's Gilbert. even that's even more of my point, right? We, any most of the people who follow basketball know those guys probably can't play in the All Star game. Yeah. So, or at the very least, they don't deserve to be an All Star because of the games they missed. Yeah. So, why are we using this as a way to judge who gets the All Star game? It's an antiquated idea that fan vote is representative of, the, of what we want to see. It's just not true. 
it's not true because again, every year I see people on Twitter being like, "How the hell did this guy become a starter?" And I'm like, "Cause the ten percent of people who care about voting that are NBA fans, they made it a point. We're not on. There's a say a large section of fans that just aren't involved with the whole voting for the All Star game thing. I have not really been much of an All Star voter for a long time. Like I don't do that regularly. I may have did it last year because of Randall's great play, but it's not something I do every year. It's something I more do in when we do a podcast, talk about who we start, something I do with my friends. I'll do that. But in terms of like actually say, yo, I'm going to get online and actually cast my vote or I'm going to tweet hashtag all-star. But that's not really something I, I do. So, and I, and I watch the NBA every damn day. Like, am I, am I just a nobody? Like there are, I know I'm not alone. Did you vote for the all-star game, Kendall? You watch the NBA every day. No, no chance. I never vote for those. <laughs> so there you go. So care. two people who but, talk about basketball every week, who don't, who love the NBA, yeah, don't, did not vote for the All Star game. But I'm told that the fans, this is what the the fans wanted to see Andrew Wiggins start. The fans just had to see. The fans need to see Paul George, who is hurt and can't even get on the court. They need to see. They need to see him in the All Star game. They need that. That doesn't. That defies logic. That doesn't even make sense. The fans are voting for a guy who can't play. How does that make any sense? Why do those people have the same say as? People who know what the hell is going on. The 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 year Grant Hill was voted into the All Star game with a broken ankle was the year they should have abolished All Star voting. Shout out to Grant Hill, an amazing player, one of the more classier people to ever play in the NBA. So it's not a diss to them. We all know he was a superstar, but the guy had a freaking the broken ankle. Issue to me, and they put him in the All Star game. Beyond Stop this madness! Stop it! Voting. Because the, the fan voting wouldn't be an issue if they changed, if they got rid of the whole backcourt, frontcourt thing and made it added. No, because he still would have. I mean, gave, he still might have made it. He had two million votes. No, nah, he, but he wasn't going to make it over Doncic. If there was flexibility, like Andrew like, Williams had more, me, he, had, he ended with more like, votes taking, than Doncic did. Kendall, if, if you're taking, we're having two, two backcourt, two frontcourt, and a flex. Like, there's zero percent chance he makes it. because then the media. It, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I like that. I like that. I, I do like. That. I do. I do like that kind of remix to this. I, the flex position. There, because there's no person in the media in their right minds that would vote Wiggins over Luka Doncic, and then players likely wouldn't but, as well. But Kendall, I feel like we've seen every single excuse for to somehow keep the fans involved. It was oh, we got to make sure that we don't have the center anymore. It was oh, let's make it just all front court and guards. It was oh, let's take the van vote and drop it to fifty percent, like and somehow people are still on Twitter yelling about Andrew Wiggins being a starter. Abolish the fan vote, which to me, I, that's join what me, I don't join get. me, I, I join me, my my, my 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 our beautiful listeners, join me on this bandwagon. I know I've been alone. No, every every time I tell somebody this, they all look like I was crazy, and now people I feel like are finally starting to wake up and smell the coffee. It's not too late. It's not too late. It may be too late to apologize like that Usher song. I think it was Usher. I don't know. Maybe it was Neo. One of them people. But it's not too late. Omarion. No, no, it was definitely not Omarion. <laughs> Jesus. But it's not too late to abolish fan voting in All-Star games. We do not need it. Let the players, let the coaches tell us who the hell are the best players. And let's just watch and enjoy, man. That's all we need. Let's stop with the farce. Let's stop with the charade. I'm begging y'all. It's about engagement, man. 
don't know. Like, that's why they're doing it. I can't really tell the NBA how to run their business. I just, there's, I, but for whatever reason, they've come to the, the determination that it's better for business. And it's not even just the NBA, it's all leagues. There, there, there well, are. And let me be clear. I'm not just saying NBA. Every league votes for. I am for every single, I am for every single league abolishing all-star voting. I want to make this very clear. I saw Bel- Carlos Beltran make the all-star game his rookie year at the Mets. I'm first, no, rookie year, God. His first year with the Mets. He was sitting like 240 and had like nine home runs. But, yo, he just signed a $100 million contract. Everybody knew who he was. And he was in New York. So he got a bunch of votes. I remember being a kid being like, yo, he's kind of been a terrible player his first year on this team. And he's making a hell of a lot of money. Why is he in the all-star game? Now, everybody who knows me knows I now love Carlos Beltran. He's one of my all-time favorite Mets because he eventually lived, lived up to that contract, despite what the haters will say. But first year, I was like, I don't understand this. Why are people still voting for him? Then they say, oh, let's put the stats next to the player so you can see that the guy is, 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 is washed when you try to vote for him. It still don't work. I've seen every single kind of, uh, uh, every single kind of reform, every single kind of modification – to somehow get the most uh, reward, most uh, deserving players that honor, and yet here we are, NBA it, fans it, it, I, yelling about Andrew Wiggins starting in an all. And so, 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 so my my thing is, what are we gonna do, man? The fan vote. If you remove, first of all, there's gonna be complaints. Let, anyway. yo, I don't. We don't need to know who the hell the like, starters my, are. That's always my thing too. Is that we we complain about this stuff, then we got clowns like the like the guy who was like, I'm not voting Roger for MVP because he's a jerk. Like, like, so, like, the media doesn't doesn't always get these things right. No, I I don't want the media. <laughs> you know, involved. like, there are clowns in the media. There are clown fans. There are clown players who don't take these things seriously. Kind of, the, co- the coaches. It, it, you're never the, gonna get a consensus. Yeah, there are clown coaches who say, "I don't like this guy. I don't like Desmond Bates." But, we, but if the crap. coaches can vote for the reserves, just let them pick twelve guys, man. Just let them pick twelve guys. Let the freaking coach who's coaching the All Star game. Decide, I'm gonna start this guy. We've seen all-star. the coaches botch it, pick some guy because of p- politics. Chris Paul. No, but we don't. Year. But we don't see the egregious <laughs> guy with the broken ankle, or Yao Ming hasn't played all year, make the All Star game. We don't see that from the coaches. <laughs> you keep using the example. <laughs> no, no, we don't see. No, we don't see. It's not that egregious. We've seen no, guys I mean, like, oh well, this guy, this guy, like it's, it's, like, it's splitting hairs. We've never seen that in since they've <laughs> they revised all the right. rule. If you're right. arguing Andrew, yo, yo do not, thing. yo, man, God forbid, God forbid, LeBron, man, I hope these Seth Curry, I hope you guys stay healthy, man. I, I really, I God forbid, them guys have some kind of issue, and they can't play for most of the season. I, God forbid, that's all I gotta say. Watch, <laughs> you just watch. You think you think it's funny? Them guys had six million votes playing. <laughs> them guys could have lost three million votes and still made the All Star game. <laughs> You you laughing? I'm telling you, abolish like, all star game percent voting. Of the vote isn't enough. Abol- the NBA <laughs> they've done the math. They've looked at it and they said, if if a guy does not deserve to make it, he will not. If he's getting zero percent of half the vote. I right, yo Nick, <laughs> Knicks fans. I saw you, I see y'all. Uh, Derrick Rose at number eight in the guard voting. All right, you you heard him. We allegedly we allegedly can't make a difference. Okay, we'll see y'all next year. Derrick Rose on the Derrick Rose. He already got a great fan base with his own fan base that people just love him randomly. Let the Knicks have a good year where he's healthy. And you tell me again, oh, should we let the fans have fifty percent of the vote? Man, Taco Fall. If that thing was gonna, I mean, remember when Zaza, Zaza Pachulia, Zaza Pachulia was in this joint. But he didn't make, man. Right? Okay. Yeah, but 
Right, but we why he was even... leading. The, he was leading the the, the league, he, or at least he was leading was the, the front the front court players. Yeah, but like that's but, but like why? But why are we even playing around with this? If you not play, if you, that that shows you guys aren't serious. That's what I'm trying to say. But you know what? It, you, you know what? It you guys drives. aren't serious if you're doing this. You know like, what? It drives. When you drives. see a kid, when you see a kid doing something not serious, you say, "All right, let me take that away from you. You're not taking this very seriously." <laughs> it drives engagement. It drives conversation. Without it. You know, people. It's the, it's all, the M- Kendall. It's the NBA. If you can't, if when you can't get people, it's February. Mid-February. No, I'm saying like if, if that's what people would be asking. If, if no, there was wouldn't, no man. It's the yo. If you can't get people to be interested in the NBA All Star Game without this farce that is fan voting, you failed as a corporation. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're telling me you're gonna put LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, uh. Uh, all the other great superstars on the same basketball court, but no, we just have to let them. We have to let them vote for Zaza Pachulia. It's the only way we can get people to watch this game. If you can't, if, if that, if that's what y'all are telling me, NBA needs to go back and, and get to the drawing board on that on that business model, man. We've been out here for a while, man. I want to I want to thank uh, our listeners for checking this out. This was a very fun, engaging podcast. I feel like it was one of the more fun, engaging podcasts we've had. Um, in a minute on Sports Talk. So, of course, thanks to my, my guy, Kendall, for rocking out with me. As always, thank you, of course, to listeners for checking us out. Of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check us out on the New Generation Podcast Network. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. We just did an episode, a, a kind of impromptu, unofficial slash official episode of the Uncommitted Podcast, our high school basketball recruiting podcast talking about the revelation or the revealing of the McDonald's All-American rosters. So, of course, that's not something we talked about on this podcast, but we did address it. That can be found on our YouTube channel, Generation Media. I'll, I'll eventually also put that up on our uh, audio channels as well. Make sure you catch us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, New Generation Media. Um, individually, Kendall can be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys again for checking this out. Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>